Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. One quick note before we get started. I originally recorded this episode when I was a little bit under the weather, so please excuse my voice on this. Otherwise, I can't wait for you to listen. In this special episode brought to you by Cirrus Talent, a marketing recruiting firm run by modern day marketing matchmakers, we're going to talk about planning for 2024 and what the experts are seeing as marketing leaders are identifying hiring needs and developing headcount budgets for 2024. To help me discuss these topics, I'd like to welcome Sue Keith, Corporate Vice President at Cirrus Talent. Sue, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be back. Yeah, I look forward to talking with you again. Always, always great to chat. And for those that weren't able to catch your your last episode where we talked about the state of the hiring union outlook last quarter, why don't we start with you giving a little background on yourself as well as Cirrus Talent? Sure. I lead Cirrus Talent. We're a national recruiting firm based in the DC metro area. We specialize exclusively in marketing positions. Well, I, I should say marketing, communications, product, and creative positions. And the reason for that is every member on our team was a marketer practitioner before pivoting into recruiting. So we like to say we speak the language and I think it makes us pretty good at the matchmaking. Great, great. So we're here to talk about what hiring managers and marketing managers and leaders should know as they're planning for 2024 headcount budgets and planning for hiring full-time as well as contract marketing talent. So let's start by talking about uh, some of the overall hiring trends. Um, First, uh, how should hiring managers be looking at the soft skills needed on on their teams? You know, I've been in this business for close to 11 years now, and a really interesting trend we've been seeing over the past few years is that soft skills have gained more importance with hiring managers. Of course, relevant functional experience will always be important, but we're seeing hiring managers place more emphasis on attributes such as communication, adaptability, teamwork, and even emotional intelligence, you'll hear. Interestingly, the number one requested trait that our clients say to us is something that we we like to call confident diplomacy. They're looking for a person with enough gravitas to come in and affect change, to push the organization to do things differently or more modernly, but do it in a way that their stakeholders are bought bought in and comfortable with the changes they're pushing for. So when we kick off a search, we always ask the hiring manager to list their top three skills for the position. And more frequently these days, their initial response is not about the functional skills for the role. They respond with a list of the top soft skills they're looking for. So we actually have to prompt them to also speak to the key functional skills they're looking for. And, you know, I continue to be surprised by this because I'm always just, when we ask the question, we are actually asking for functional skills yeah. uh, and then we'll get to the soft skills later, but we're really surprised, but they're jumping, kind of jumping ahead and mentioning soft skills. And we're, we're expecting to hear things like demand gen or product marketing or, you know, consumer marketing. 
Yeah. Yeah. What, why do you think that uh, that change is, is happening? You know, that's a really good question. I think there's a couple of things going on. So, you know, as you well know, the hiring market did a complete flip-flop from 21-22 to this year. Yeah. And there are, a lot, there are more candidates in the mix, I think. Um, so it's harder for a hiring manager to make a decision on whom to hire because there's so many people to choose from. Also, getting headcount budget, and I talked about this last time, getting headcount budget right now is really hard. So I think it's like you've just gotten the golden, golden Willy Wonka ticket and you don't want to choose the wrong person. So I think there's a lot of things you're thinking about in terms of not just can I find a really good demand gen expert, for example, but I got to make sure this person's going to get along with all the other people in the organization that they're going to work with. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I know we talked about this a little bit last time as well, but uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, full-time hires versus contractors. What are, what, how are things trending there? Definitely trending towards contractors. So there's some folks are still hiring. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, no one's going to be surprised when I say that this year has been really tough year for job seekers. Right. We talk to each person on our team probably talks to one or two people who are, are looking for a job that, right these a day right now. These are just the marketers. But I'd also say it's been a tough year for marketing leaders. They're being asked to achieve more in terms of revenue or pipeline contribution with, in many cases, what has become a skeletal crew, meaning their team. They're just, they're just got so few people on their teams, but they're being asked to do more or even, or the same or even more than the prior year. And, you know, many have had to lay people off or at a minimum, they haven't been allowed to backfill the people who've left. So as a result, we have seen an increase in leaders bringing on contractors help fill those gaps. You know, in most cases, your contractor budget comes out of your program's budget. It's separate from your headcount budget. So most marketing leaders have more discretion, or maybe I should say authority, uh, to hire an interim contractor where they might not have the approval to hire a full-time employee. So we're definitely seeing a shift um, we we absolutely saw that in 2020 during COVID, where no one was hiring full time employees because you know the world had stopped turning and no one knew if it was going to start up again. Right. Uh, but definitely, they still needed you know market CMOs and marketing leaders still needed work to get done, and they were able to bring in contractors because that came out of their their own program budgets. Got it. And so another term here, you know, fractional seems to be all the rage. I know. I hear it a lot in in the work that I do as well. What does this really mean? You know, that's a really good and really relevant question. So this was really interesting. So we have a sister company called HRQ, and we specialize in marketing positions. They specialize exclusively in HR positions. So they recently ran a poll on LinkedIn, and the question was this, has your company utilized fractional HR executives? And there were three possible answers. Yes, no, and what the heck is fractional HR? Um, <laughs> I added the heck. It did, the, the poll didn't really actually say right, heck, right. but I added that. And so get this, out of 95 responses, the answer, what is fractional HR, received 55% of the votes. So more than wow. half of the respondents weren't actually sure what fractional is. And I, I'm actually not very surprised by this. So the term fractional, you just alluded to this, it's being used by everyone these days, but it's really not clearly defined and quite frankly, I would argue it's being a bit overused, in my opinion. Yeah. So do you want to look at kind of how this came to be? So think about there being this two-sided marketplace. You've got hiring companies and you've got job seekers. And we just talked about the fact that very few companies are hiring. And we know there are a lot of many, many people on the market. So companies are turning to contractors for help because they need, they need marketers on their team. 
but they don't have the headcount. And then there are all these marketers who are in between business cards, as we like to say, who are more than happy to take on a contract engagement until the market picks back up. So you've got the need on the one side, but they don't have the headcount budget. And you've got plenty of people who maybe don't intend to be contractors or consultants for the rest of their careers, but it's a nice stopgap for while they're in between jobs. So where the confusion comes in is the use of the term fractional versus say, you know, what I just said was contractor or consultant. And they're really often being conflated these days. So how we differentiate between the two is fractional executives are just that they're executives. So they've typically held senior level positions, you know, whether it be in marketing, HR, finance, sales, or ops, companies bring them in to help with strategic challenges. You know, for marketing, this could be developing a go-to-market plan for a new product or maybe a new vertical, or maybe they are brought in to help rethink the marketing organization and or their future hiring needs. And then they can also be brought in to lead the marketing team in cases, say, where, you know, we have a lot of growth stage technology companies who, you know, they're ready to hire their first marketing leader, but they're not they're not quite sure what they want to commit to, whether it's a full-time CMO or at a different level. Um, So a fractional CMO, fractional marketing leader could be a really good solution to help, you know, identify we need a leader now, but we're not quite sure if we want to commit to full-time to the higher end or the cost. Or another option is another use case, I guess I should say is in the recent case with one of our clients, their current CMO was leaving And she was leaving on really good terms and she really wanted to help basically backfill her Mm. within a fractional CMO while they started the search for a full-time person to take on her job. So came to us and we, we dropped in one of our, our most experienced fractional or CMO experienced people. And, and so that the team was still being managed, the trains were still running, but while they looked for the permanent replacement, um, in the end, it so happens that they ended up hiring our fractional CMO, but that was definitely not the initial reason for asking her to step in. So that's fractional. A contractor or consultant, whatever you want to call it, tends to be fill a lower level position. And, I, and I'm not saying a low level position. We've placed many director and senior manager marketing contractors, but they're not executives. And oftentimes they're hired in a way that we would call staff augmentation, meaning they're part of the marketing team, just not on the payroll. So whereas a fractional executive tends to be part-time 1099 contractors, or many have their own LLCs, and they're often working with several clients at a time, a lot of time your contractor is working 30, 40 hours a week as though they're part of the team. They're just, you know, not not a W-2 employee at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. And definitely, yeah, with, with all the terms, uh, you know, marketers love their uh, their acronyms and their jargon and <laughs> stuff like that. So it's good to, good to clear some of this stuff up for sure. Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Partner Hero. Customer service outsourcing has long been available mainly to large enterprise businesses with long-term contracts and onerous procurement processes. Partner Hero is challenging business as usual and bringing the benefits of outsourcing to small and medium businesses as well as startups. With short, flexible contracts and fast ramp-up times, Partner Hero is making customer support outsourcing a viable option for small and medium businesses and startups. It's perfect for companies with seasonality expecting a temporary spike in volume or that simply need to scale up. And their focus on quality means your customers will get an experience that feels like it comes from your team. If you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your company that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. 
Head on over to partnerhero.com slash agile. That's partnerhero.com slash A-G-I-L-E to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from the Agile brand and the way of the setup fee. Now let's get back to the show. Let's switch gears a little bit and um, talk about the continuing saga of return to the office. Still not over. It's still still going. So, um, you know, th- there seemed to be a lot of talk about productivity during COVID when everyone was working remotely, despite a few very vocal skeptics. How are things trending now? Oh, it's really interesting to watch this. And I, I would say your use of the word saga is not overstating it. So... <laughs> So here's what we're seeing. So at the start, everyone knows, at the start of enduring COVID, everyone was working from home and companies, I think after their initial shock, looked around and they said, hey, our people are just as productive, if not more, than when they used to come into the office. But I feel like there's been this shift in like, let's say the last six months or so. I mean, you know, things have changed when Zoom announces its employees have to be back in the office. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, the irony of that. But I'm being a bit facetious, but we definitely have seen this shift. You know, we've gone from the majority of our searches allowing for remote hires to most of our clients in the last few months saying they want the candidates to be able to be in the office two to three days a week. And so there's been this change from look how productive our employees have been during COVID to what I would categorize as almost a growing skepticism on the part of management that their employees are really working. Uh, And if you think about it, I think we've all subliminally contributed to this thinking. You know, many people are maybe subconsciously or f- maybe Freud's involved, you know, referring it to it as return to work when it's really return to the office. Right, so right. subliminally, we're kind of creating this, we're adding to this, this, this concern. And I think there's a fear of loss of innovation, and which I don't think is unfounded. You know, think about it. You know, as we all know, spontaneous hallway conversations or grabbing a bunch of people to jump into a conference room to whiteboard out an idea. I mean, it does not happen on Zoom. There's nothing spontaneous on Zoom. Uh, And then being in person also builds what I call the connective tissue of the organization. So where you get to know other people in different departments and other parts of the company, maybe it's ops, finance, or HR. And understanding everyone's collective role makes you feel more connected to the overall mission of the company and ultimately makes you more likely to stay when the market picks up or recruiters like me come a calling. Right. Right. Yeah. I definitely agree that I think there's some, there's some lost opportunities for making connections, you know, whether that's related to relationships or, or innovative ideas or, you know, just kind of um, building, building bridges and and stuff like that. Definitely. You know, you mentioned, um, and I've seen as well, a lot of, a lot of companies, they're, they're not asking for five days a week. They're asking for two or three, maybe some are, are probably asking for five days a week, but is hybrid the way to go here? You know, our clients seem to think so. And personally, I think so too. And I have to caveat that by, you know, I've been around for a while. I was raised going into the office, so I do have a bias here, right. um, but it's, it's not as simple as, okay, everyone be back in the office on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You know, companies let people move away during the pandemic. New hires were hired as remote employees, remote only. Is it really fair to tell an employee that you now have to commute to the office two days a week because you live within the defined radius of the office? And we're also seeing like, it's really arbitrary. You know, it's, we know some companies that say if you're within X miles of the office, you have to come in. I have a friend who the rule is if you're within an hour of the office, 
which, hmm. you know, you could drive really slowly and claim that it took you longer. <laughs> right, um, right. Dri yeah, drive like two miles per hour. That's slower. right. And say, well, yeah. took me an hour and a half. <laughs> um, but, you know, the others who don't have to come in because they live far away or outside whatever that defined radius. I mean, they don't have to worry about the extra gas expense. Maybe they'd actually have to hire someone to meet their kids off the bus right. where they don't have today. Maybe they're caring for an elderly parent who lives with them. So this is really hard stuff. Here's an extreme example. So my son recently graduated from college and works, thank God he's has a job for a global yeah. insurance company. So he started back in June. And at that time, he was required to go into the local office here every other Wednesday. Last week, they announced that certain groups, certain teams would be required to come in five. So five days a week, oh, wow. going from zero or like, you know, a half yeah. um, to five. And meanwhile, his team, which is global. So nobody's not, a, you know, there's no critical mass near an office doesn't have to go in at all. Wow. Wow. So really, really extreme. And I would say not particularly equitable pivot. Right. And you can imagine the backlash on the all hands meetings that he's been listening in on. Yeah. So it's a matter of, you know, getting in on the right team, right? And then, and then what are your incentives to, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it sets up a lot of, a lot of challenges, right? Because yeah, it's, you're what what does it say about you if you're lobbying to be on the team that doesn't have to go in the right. office versus does? Right. And yeah, it's and you know, it may be for very um, innocuous reasons, as you mentioned, of just like, you know, daycare or, you know, right. other things like that, not just that you're, you know, slacking off watching TV all day. Or, right. Or right. Like and that. you're going to admit you won't be able to watch Netflix for half the day. <laughs> right, um, right. Exactly. There's also a converse to this. So Back in the day where everybody was in the office, except for like that handful of remote people who would be the like voices coming out of the polycom and the ceiling for those of us right. who even remember what a polycom <laughs> is. Those employees who now aren't coming into the office a couple of days a week while their peers are, they may end up feeling marginalized again, like it used to often be the case pre-pandemic, yeah. because they're not getting the FaceTime um, with their boss or management, or they're not part of those spontaneous hallway conversations that I talked about earlier. So this is really tricky. And at some point it's going to settle into some standard, but right now the answers aren't very clear or easy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we, we've talked a bit about the, the leadership and the, the hiring managers and, you know, their, their perspective on things, you know, how are, how are candidates dealing with this return to the office? You know, are they, are they adjusting? I mean, you know, you met, you mentioned the anecdote about your son, but you know, are they are they slowly kind of going back to the the old ways of of doing things, or you know, is this um, are we kind of headed for another standoff here and <laughs> the uh, the uh, automaker strike? <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, well, we're seeing mixed reactions. So some candidates are excited about going to the office and seeing people in real life. I don't think we've had one single candidate ever say to us they want to go back five days a week. Yeah, but some yeah. actually, when we tell them that the client is requiring hybrid or the client is now officially on a hybrid schedule, they're actually excited to have that opportunity. Yeah. But you know what's really interesting? We still talk to a lot of candidates who want to remain 100% remote, and they will say straight, straight up that they are willing to take a pay cut to do so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I get it. It's, uh, it's, once you've kind of shifted to the 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 lifestyle right it's uh, it's uh, it's hard to kind of go back yeah 
Yeah. Although we do have some people who do want to, but again, like I said, nobody wants to do it five days a week because we all know that if, you know, the productivity we can have like outside of work, but during the work hours, if you can, you know, empty the dishwasher or throw in a load of laundry. And then for some, it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a lifestyle with their family they've been able to create. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Sue, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, one last question before we wrap up. You've, you've given some great advice already, but you know what's, what's one piece of advice you would have for marketing leaders that are in that process of, of planning for 2024? I would take a look at your team and, and be on the lookout for burnout. You know, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of marketing teams are really lean right now. We talk to a lot of people who you know, are employed, but they're, they're simply exhausted, you know, which means they're flight risk. The minute the job market picks back up, they're going to be looking to leave. So as you think about making the case for your headcount budget next year, don't just function on, you know, the functional ease of your team or the soft skills. Uh, Think about the attrition risk you may have if you don't bring on more resources. And if let's just say full-time headcount just isn't an option, you're just not going to get approval or you're you're only going to get one and you really need five. Um, Bringing in an interim contractor, like we talked about, to shoulder some of your team's load is a really good solution. And one that, as I mentioned earlier, you can typically pay for out of your discretionary programs budget. That way you can avoid any any of those sticky headcount conversations with HR. Again, I'd like to thank Sue Keith, Corporate Vice President at Cirrus Talent, a marketing recruiting firm run by modern day marketing matchmakers for joining the show. You can learn more about Sue and Cirrus Talent by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.